0: Chapter Seven of *Azo Planing with the Wizard of Oz* by Ruth Plummy Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Seven: A Most Reluctant Starina. As the last note died away in a sweet, reluctant echo, Struts, blowmen threw down their horns. With wild shouts and cheers, they began to embrace, as if each were the other's long-lost brother. The behavior of the rest of the Stradovanians was equally puzzling. They sang, they whistled, they laughed and stamped their feet from sheer gaiety. Strutt, hurrying over to Nick Chopper, shook him heartily by the hand. "'Say, hey, hurray, how are you?' he demanded exuberantly. How are you and all your aunts' uncles and infant nieces?' "Wha? whats that?' sputtered Nick Chopper completely taken aback by this sudden show of friendliness. Kabibi, the queen, tears of joy streaming down her moon-shaped face, seized the hands of the soldier with green whiskers, and was dancing him round and round. Unnoticed in the general hubbub and hilarity, Jellia managed to steal another glance at the green trumpet. Printed in white letters on the handle was this surprising sentence. This trumpet contains cheer gas. Cheer gas! With a tremendous sigh, for the last few minutes had been a great strain, Jellia slipped the wizard's instrument back into the kit-bag and zipped it shut. Strangely enough, the gas had not affected any of the people from Oz. In fact, Jellia had never felt less like cheering in her whole life. "'This way, ray, ray, hooray!' shouted Strut, who now had Nick by one arm and the soldier by the other. "'Quickly, go and prepare the guest canopies, Queen Kabibi. "'These travelers are doubtless weary and need rest and refreshment. "'Have you any preference as to canopies?' he inquired, leaning down to look in Nick Chopper's face. "'Do you have any tin canopies?' asked Nick hoarsely. He was still dazed by Strut's unaccountable change of manner. I always feel safer under a tin roof. It is such a beautiful and dependable metal. Tin? Oh, ha, ha, ha! Strutt blinked his star eyes rapidly. I am afraid we have no tin, but any other kind, my dear. Nick Chopper, Tin Woodman of Oz, put in Jellia, who felt it was high time they were properly introduced. And there— She hastily indicated the soldier with green whiskers. There is Want to Win Battles, the Grand Army of Oz. At Jellia's introduction, Want to Win dropped Strut's arm to shake hands. "'And who are you, my lively little Skylark?' he questioned. "'Oh, I'm just Jellia Jam, Ozma's chief maid-in-waiting,' Jellia said, as she trotted uneasily along at his side." The rest of the Stratovanians, still cheering and singing, but in a more subdued way, came streaming after them. Rather anxiously Jellia wondered how long the effects of the cheer gas would last, and how soon Strut would remember about blowing Nick and the soldier away again. It seemed unlikely that she would have another chance to open the kit-bag without detection. The queen, who had not been as cheered by the gas as the others, seemed somewhat unfriendly as she walked along behind her royal husband. Every few minutes, in fact, she would lean forward and give Jellia a spiteful pinch. Jellia bore this rude treatment with extreme patience, making no complaint or outcry, and merely walking a little faster to keep out of the creature's way. Jellia wanted to see all she could of this wonderful, sparkling airland, so she could tell Ozma and Dorothy all about it when she returned to Oz. The soldier with green whiskers had fallen back to a place beside Queen Kibibi, and was gazing about him with contemptuous snorts. Any country that was not green like the land surrounding the Emerald City held no interest for him. Noticing that Jellia was faring quite well without her helmet, and finding his rather stuffy, he took it off and slung it over one shoulder. As he did so, he caught the queen in the very act of pinching Jellia. Disgusted by such conduct, he sternly took her arm, and each time Kabibi pinched Jellia the soldier would slap her fingers. After the fifth slap, the Queen peered at him with astonished admiration, for on this whole tip toposphere, there was no man bold enough to strike a member of the reigning family. Soon, Kabebe was so fascinated by want to win's flowing green whiskers she forgot all about pinching Jellia by this time, the strange and still faintly cheering procession had reached Strut's royal canopy. Waving away his giggling blowmen, Strut lifted Jellia to one of the splendid star thrones. To Kabibi, King Strut spoke impatiently, "Don't you remember you were to see about the guest canopies?" Kabibi dared not object, but looked quite displeased. "Just tell Bitsy Whittle to bring us a tray of air aids and a wind pudding," ordered Strut give me the queen a jovial shove to help her on her way you'd like an air-aid wouldn't you little lady poor Jellia shook her head no and then quickly changed it to yes the furnishings of the royal pavilion were so rich and dazzling and the star-throne so high and grand that she felt completely bewildered as kabibi shuffled away Jellia smiles nervously at nick and the soldier at strutt's invitation they had seated themselves cross-legged on bright blue air-cushions and looked as uncomfortable as they felt well what do you think of Stratovania by now inquired strutt settling back complacently i believe you will all enjoy high life as much as we do once you are used to it nick chopper who was on the point of saying that he had no intention of getting used to it or of staying one single moment longer than was positively necessary when he caught jellia's worried expression and muttered instead beautiful very beautiful but where are the houses asked the soldier with green whiskers bluntly these tent tops are all right for a war or for field sports but i should think you'd find them rather chilly for all year round livin Stratovania, explained Strut as he crossed his long legs, is never chilly. It is surrounded by a rim of warm air that keeps the temperature just as you find it today. No wind, no rain, no storms of any kind, he concluded proudly. And it's all so bright and shiny, sighed Jellia Jam, blinking down at the floor of the pavilion, which was an inlay of sparkling glass and then off to the countless bright canopies that dotted the airscape beyond. The surface of Strutt's curious skyland was of gleaming crystal, sometimes smooth as ice, sometimes rough and rocky, but always flashing with the brilliance of diamonds. "'Everything sparkles so,' finished Jellia, rather wishing she had brought her dark glasses." that's because stratovania is formed of solid air smiled strut tapping one of the iridescent posts that supported the silken canopy over their heads and i am its high and mighty sovereign ruler of the spikers who inhabit the strata below and of the zoomers who inhabit the strata above and of all other spheres and half-spheres in this particular area Strut of the Strat. Consider that little one, and be proud that you have been chosen to be our starina. But Jellia can't stay here, cried the soldier with green whiskers, springing indignantly to his feet. is taut, taut. now do not excite yourself. Here comes Bitsy Whittle, and we'll all have a glass of liquid air as Strut leaned forward to speak to his small, electric-haired page. Jellia shook her head sharply at Nick and the soldier, for both seemed on the point of dragging her off the throne. "'Wait!' Jellia formed the words soundlessly, and with puzzled frowns her two friends sank back on their air-cushions, accepting rather gloomily the sparkling goblets of air-aid from the light-footed servitor with the air-aid, Bitsy Whittle passed heaping saucers of wind-pudding, a fluffy cloud-like confection that made Jellia's mouth positively water. "'You will find the diet here light but nourishing,' Strut informed them blandly. "'Our atmosphere is so rare and exhilarating that we need little but sun and starlight to keep us going. But now, friends—' I propose a toast to Julia, our new starina. As Nick and Wantowin rose unwillingly to their feet, for the whole affair struck them as perfectly preposterous, Strutt lifted his glass and downed his air-aid. Then the soldier rather sulkily drank his. Nick, who never partook of food or drink of any kind, set his goblet on a small tabaret and stared sadly at Julia Jam. The tin woodman feared she was seriously considering Strut's proposal. Jellia surmised what Nick was thinking, but as there was no way of explaining that she was just trying to gain time till they could find some way to escape, she smiled wanly back at him and swallowed her own air-aid. Suddenly Jellia felt herself rising into the air. Before she could utter a sound. Her head was pressed tightly against the top of the canopy. Then, dizzily, she began to float round and round like a pretty balloon just let off its string. Ho, ho, roared Strut. Our air-aid has made you light-headed, Malass. But wait, I'll fetch you down. He tapped the wing-staff he held in his right hand sharply on the floor. Instantly it spread its wings, carrying him up beside Jellia. Grasping her hand, he drew her down to the throne. "'There!' he chuckled, handing her a heavy glass globe to hold. "'That will weigh you down.' Reflecting that one of these winged sticks might be a handy thing to have, Jellia clutched the glass globe. Still weak and giddy from her flight, she could not bring herself to touch the wind-pudding Bitsy Whittle had placed on the arm of the throne." The soldier with green whiskers, on account of his heavy weapons and boots, had not gone so high as Jellia. He, instead of sitting on his air-cushion, was now seated on nothing, three feet above Nick Chopper's head. He looked extremely unhappy, as indeed he was. "'Don't worry,' grinned Strut, who seemed highly amused by the whole affair. "'You'll come down presently.' He tapped his winged staff on the head as he spoke, and the staff immediately folded its wings. "'Tell me,' he urged, turning to Nick Chopper, who was looking anxiously from the soldier to Jellia, "'did you come from below or be high?' "'Be-oath,' answered the tin woodman, too confused by this time to know what he was saying. "'Taking off from the emerald city of Oz, we first flew up, then over, then up, and next down. Hmm. hmm Oz?' Two very black clouds floated across Strutt's transparent brow. "'I seem to remember you mentioning Oz before. I seem to remember—' Strutt's voice was no longer pleasant, and watching his brow growing blacker and blacker, Jellia frantically sought to open the wizard's kit-bag.' Unless she could release some more of the cheer gas, almost anything might happen. Out of the third point of his left star eye, Strut saw what she was doing. "'Don't fidget, my dear,' he snapped crossly. "'It is unbecoming for our new Starina of Stratovania to fidget or to unpack her own bag. Here,' taking the kit bag from her, he tossed it carelessly beneath his throne." Jellia's heart sank. She hoped Nick would say no more about claiming Stradovania for Ozma. But the Tin Woodman, already launched upon a glowing description of their famous fairyland, was working up to that very point. One hundred and one thousand eight hundred and sixty-seven feet below this aerosphere, began Nick taking a long breath lies the great, grand, and incomparable fairyland of Oz. Oblong in shape, it is divided into four triangular kingdoms. The northern and purple land of the Gillikins is ruled by Joe King. The blue western land of the Munchkins by His Majesty King Chiriobed. The eastern yellow land of the Winkies is governed by myself. The Southern Red Land of the Quadlings by Glinda the Good Sorceress. But all of us are subject to the benign rule of Ozma, the young fairy ruler of the whole kingdom. Her capital, the Emerald City, in the exact centre of Oz, is one of the most beautiful cities out of the world. Surrounding Oz, and protecting it from invasions, is a deadly desert. And in Ozma's possession are more jewels and treasure than you doubtless have seen in the whole of your air existence. Hmm, growled Strut, looking fiercer than ever. But paying no heed to the ominous storm clouds forming on his brow, Nick loftily proceeded. Not only is Ozma possessed of more jewels than any other sovereign known, but in her castle are magic appliances that make her the most powerful of rulers for instance ozma has a magic belt with which she can transport anyone anywhere on her wall hangs a magic picture in which she can see what is happening to her friends or foes right while it is happening in her safe is a magic fan to blow away her enemies and so many other strange instruments of magic i have not time to describe them among her advisers is the famous wizard of oz who spends all his time studying magic and perfecting new inventions the ozoplane in which we made this perilous flight is his latest masterpiece and now that you know a bit more of ozma and her famous country I am sure you will be delighted to become a part of our happy realm and acknowledge Ozma as the Supreme Sovereign of Stratovania. "'What?' screamed Strut, bounding off his throne and furiously confronting the tin woodman. "'How dare you suggest such a thing! This is the second time you have done so.' why should i strut of the strat acknowledge this miserable earthlander as my supreme anything i am a thousand times richer and more important than any belowlander below oz oz indeed as nick backed off some in alarm strut shook his long staff over the tin woodman's head why you can't even pronounce the name of your own country he sneered it is not oz as you say it but os the zone of os to be more correct and if os is in the zone of os it is ozone which means air and that makes it belong to me So I, Strut of the Strat hereby do declaim Ozonia for myself and my people, and you, my fine funnel-top, shall take me there. End of chapter 7